What is up, Steeler fans? Welcome back to another episode of The Hangover. I'm Daniel. Alongside with me is Shannon White. The Pittsburgh Steelers won uh, 24-17 against the Los Angeles Rams. How are you feeling today, Shannon? Is it good hangover? Steelers win. You feeling good? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, I wrote in the Steelers stock report article for tomorrow that um, – Three of their four victories have been just gifted to them. Uh-huh. I mean, they won by seven, and the Rams kicker missed two field goals and an extra point. Um, you know, the Ravens wide receivers couldn't catch a cold, and uh, the Browns, Watson's getting two personal foul face mask penalties in one game. <laughs> I've never seen that from a quarterback. It's like they – are winning and they're playing well enough to win when it matters the most. But again, it's more of the same. Um, Three words that keep coming up when I talk about the Steelers or uh, write about the Steelers is sad, boring, and frustrating. I love the Steelers. I've loved them my whole life. It's the only team in any sport that I truly love. But they are no fun to watch anymore. All it is is I sit there and I'm frustrated for three hours, and then I can compensate and categorize my frustration if they win. And thankfully, they've won four out of six. But it's just they've they've just got so many areas of need, and it's frustrating because some of the answers are standing on the sidelines. Uh, some of the problems could easily be rectified uh, with a maybe a trade here or moving a guy to the bench that needs to go to the bench. So I want to be encouraged, Daniel. I want to be excited and happy about this season. But when the Steelers started out 11-0 in 20, it was like fool's gold. You know, we wrote a, a quarterly – progress report article and everybody was giving them a's and a pluses and i was giving them b's and b minuses and everybody's like what they're 11 and 0 i'm like yeah but they're not improving as the year went on you've seen more and more holes in both sides of the ball mm-hmm. that you had a feeling was going to catch up to them and it did i want to see progress and growth from this young team, especially on offense, even more than I'm concerned about the record at the moment. Because this year is not about Super Bowl. This year is about, is Kenny Pickett the answer? Nobody can answer that right now. Uh, Because he does everything backwards. Most guys trying to prove they're the franchise quarterback, uh, Kirk Cousins, Dax Prescott, uh, Derek Carr, all these guys, they can put up huge numbers, but they choke in the clutch. Right. Pickett doesn't do anything for three quarters, and he's great in the clutch. He's kind of the opposite of what a normal quarterback situation is. And right now, I can't answer, is Pickett a possible solution? If he is, the Steelers are in great shape moving forward. If he's not... They do not have a franchise quarterback, and they're going to have to find one. So that's what has to be answered. I said that from the beginning of the season, 
And I don't think nobody really knows right now. Yeah, I, you know, I can't disagree with you on a lot of that. Um, when it comes to, you know, Kenny Pickett, though, I did think he made another step in the right direction. You know, when it came to the first uh, quarter stumbles and whatnot, there was a, a long pass to George Pickens that went out of bounds. That could have been a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had some mistakes on the offensive line, whether that was, you know, the protection not being where it was supposed to be, whether it was the offensive line not setting the protection correct or the quarterback not setting the mm-hmm. protection correctly. But those things happened. There were times also when the Steelers were pushed out. Uh, one time when they were pushed out of field goal range. And, you know, I get it. Yeah. First half, it was kind of more of the same. In fact, I think it was like in the middle of the third quarter, they put out a stat where Puka Nakua had more yards on his own than the entire offense from the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's pitiful that that shouldn't be happening on a consistent basis but what i what i I did notice was that i felt like the mistakes that were happening weren't so much on on pickett this game i felt that the offensive line made some mistakes Mm -hmm. and i I, i'm not going to say that pickett played a perfect game or any of those things He, he did have his mistakes but i felt like it was more the offensive line and the pressure at certain times just was just was there but when he had his moments to throw the ball i thought he was okay i thought he did all right you know that pass to deontay johnson that got him down there for the uh go ahead score that was that was good positioning good throw uh yes we should be seeing this more often you know the entire Mm -hmm. game we want to see this consistently but i thought he played a little bit better i think that do you i'll ask you this do you think that having a bye week could have played into a little bit of that first quarter gyps. I mean, I know we've seen it all year, so it's kind of like, you know, we've seen it all year, but do you think that maybe perhaps, you know, having a bye week could also be a little bit as to why they started slow in, in this game? It's possible. Um, but it's like you said, we've seen it every week. It's we've seen it through Matt Canada's entire tenure. Mm-hmm. Uh the Steelers are a terrible first quarter team. They're a bad first half team. Uh, under Ben, they would score a lot right before half. And Pickett's even led them on a few drives at, before the half. But they're a bad first half team under Canada. And mm-hmm. it's, I don't understand. Uh, there could be new players, new faces, and new places, and it all stays the same. My prediction of 24 21 Steelers was straight from here. Because I had no rational reasoning to predict the victory. (laughs) Because who knows what to expect from this team. The only thing you can expect is offensive ineptness. I mean, they are just subpar. When you watch all other NFL offenses, and then you watch the Steelers, they do not look the same. Um, Last night in the game, the Eagles did crossers in the middle of the field, and the two Dolphins defenders run into each other so badly that one of the uh, a former West Virginia Mountaineer player long a linebacker had to leave the game and I think he's concussed um when do you see these natural rub routes when the Steelers play I think if our guys tried to do crossers they'd run into each other that's happened yeah and, and <laughs> so I mean and when there are guys in the same area they're not supposed to be I mean, you know, you've got a guy doing a, a short out and a guy doing a middle or deeper out, 
and it puts two defenders between the only guy Pinkett can throw to is the closer out option because if he tries to go over, there's a chance there's going to be an interception because there's two guys right there. Yeah. The the lack of creativity and, and, and a quality NFL caliber offensive game plan, when you go back and you watch it, I just don't see it. Now, the stewards have decided there is not going to be any changes. So the only hope for improvement is totally on the players. But how come we keep seeing Pickett totally transform in the fourth quarter, Daniel? In the fourth quarter, he stood in there. One time he had a, a guy coming right in his face. Uh, matter of fact, his two last big completions, the one to Pickens for the first down, which was down the middle, which was a beautiful throw, but he had to stand in there to the last second, and he took a big hit. Then the one you're talking about to Johnson – on the out was mm-hmm. perfectly timed and perfectly placed. And he was about to get hit on that. It's like he changes. It's like he has more freedom or I don't know what keeps changing, but it's like by the time they get to that third and then the fourth quarter, that offense as a whole starts to find the rhythm. They start to play better. Who's going to somebody in the coaches staff has got to figure out a way to get these guys to play like that in the first quarter and the second quarter, what is the problem? What's the disconnect? Well, I think that there's one thing is defenses are probably playing uh, differently at the end of games, trying to either you know protect a score or um, try to create something to happen, right? So, but I don't think you could say that the last two games because the Ravens still went ultra aggressive. And that's why mm-hmm. they give up the long touchdown to Pickens because right. they had man on man coverage on the outside. And in this game, the on that it was a tie game and the Steelers were driving. And the Rams were still doing a lot of the same. Now they might have adjusted better in the second half because in the first half, Tomlin said, Oh, they're sending blitz packages and rush packages we wasn't expecting. Seriously? I mean. Uh, I understand that Pickett needed to call out some uh, blocking adjustments because mm-hmm. a lot of times it was Warren and it was two guys coming. Warren didn't know what to do. You can only take one dude, right? But, again, that, that adjustment should have happened way before halftime. Um, I, I don't know. I just – there's a disconnect somewhere, and I'm not going to continue to blame the who I think is the culprit because it ain't going to change – and nobody wants to hear it. Um, but it will stunt the whole offense. It's going to stunt Pickett's growth unless they figure out how to get on the same page. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, when it comes to what you were talking about, I'm, I'm thinking what, what you're, you're referring to as the problem, uh, being the offensive coordinator. Um, is, is that the problem you were referring to? I've said that for yeah. I want to make sure I'm right. A long time, not, yeah. Because it yeah. could be the the quarterback. I mean, you're, you're going that direction as well. But um, you know, when it comes to the OC, I thought that the gameplay, the the play calls yesterday weren't as bad as they had been. Uh, I thought there was a little bit more of a surprise, a little bit more um, creativity. You know, we saw both Najee and Jalen Warren on the field a couple of times mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, and so you know, I thought that that was a step forward. And, but you're right. You know, this team doesn't do anything in the first half of games. 
And that's super frustrating. And, you know, I know that the Pittsburgh Steelers are, I think the biggest stat that's been going around right now is that they're 11 and four since last year's bye week. Yep. And, you know, that sounds good and dandy and all, but let's just say this team where they're at right now, they find their way 11 and four, which is a possibility given the strength of the, of the schedule that they have left. I mean, I'm not sure if if this is the way that they're winning those games, that they're going to really be any type of contender in the playoffs when they start playing some real and, and some better talent. Now, I I was more on the sense of, you know, I think it's the players, you know, more so than the coach, but, you know, Lamar Jackson got a new offensive coordinator and his his game has completely changed. So there, there could be some credence to that. There could be some truth as far as, what, you know, that goes. Um, but let's break it down a, a little bit further. Uh, Broderick Jones didn't start this game. Dan Moore did. What were your thoughts on Dan Moore? Do you think that, you know, he's going to – do you think that he showed why he should be still continuing to be the left tackle? Or do you think that, you know, it was, it was okay? I don't think he played bad, but it was okay. But I think that maybe – uh, Broderick would have probably done the same. Oh, I'm on record. Broderick Jones is a superior player already. Yeah. Um, Dan Moore was functional yesterday for the most part. <clears throat> you know, it wasn't he was losing a lot of one-on-one opportunities. Uh, like you said, they were overloading sides, you know, sending two guys through the, the A-gap. I mean, it was uh, – it wasn't just him – I thought he did uh, hit a strong game run blocking, mm-hmm. especially in the second half when Harris and Warren started to get a rhythm. A lot of those quick dive runs uh, was to his side, was to that side, and him and Samalu did a good job there. Um, I, I think if you really watch between the two tackles, I would like to see – more get to compete with a core for because the core is making some mistakes. He's getting called for a penalty, at least a game. Um, he's not really, his run blocking hasn't been as good this year. Uh, so if you really think more deserves to be the starter, you know, an injury, something like that might force the Steelers hand for this to happen. But I would like to see more given a shot on the right side because he's stronger than a core four and he's a better run blocker. Mm-hmm. And then let Broderick Jones be left tackle because he should be. Yeah, I agree. I think Broderick Jones should be out there. You know, like I said, I don't think Dan Moore did had, had a bad game by any means. I think he was serviceable. Yeah. You know, part of me thought maybe perhaps he was uh, put on display. You know, the trade deadline is coming up pretty quick. So maybe perhaps that was something that the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers were going to, you know, try to do. I'm sure if somebody calls, they're going to pick up the phone, especially given the fact that they have Broderick Jones behind them. But I thought he did all right. You know, Isaac Samalu gave up a couple of pressures there, which was something that he wasn't doing when Broderick Jones was next to him. So that was something that I had noticed as well. Um, Mason Cole didn't seem to have a bad game offensive, uh, you know, as far as the offensive line goes. Uh, I thought he that did- was his best game this year. Yeah, I thought he did better. Yeah. I thought he did yeah. better this game. Uh, James Daniels and Chicks of Core for I like, like like you mentioned, I think that was where a lot of the pressure and stuff was coming from was on the right side. Um and and just also, I don't know whose fault it is, but 
they need to work on adjusting protections because there's just way too many times that a free runner is heading towards Ken Pickett. And it doesn't matter what's going on downfield. If he doesn't have time to see it and throw it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make a difference. So that needs to definitely need some work on. What were your thoughts about George Pickens? Though? I mean, he had a couple of personal um, or personal foul penalties and conduct mm-hmm. stuff. I was getting pretty upset with it. <laughs> what were your <laughs> thoughts while it was happening and afterwards? Oh, man, I, I was livid. Um, but I always get more aggravated at Tomlin than I do the players because mm-hmm. he's the patriarch. He's the father figure. You know, he's he's everybody's buddy. They love him and they respect him. But part of respect is a fear of consequence. And when you have multiple guys in the last few years making idiotic bonehead decisions that are selfish decisions that cost the team 15 yards and can cost a victory, uh, you know, that's unacceptable. And it's up to Tomlin to get these guys in line. The good thing is, is I think George Pickens, we see he wants to win terribly bad. And he wants to be the main reason that the Steelers are winning. You don't have to worry about the kid's heart and his effort level. It's there. Um, But yesterday, we seen all sides of George Pickens. The guy's a wild stallion. I've always said you don't want to break his spirit because you got to ride him. Because he's that talented. But he's so unpredictable. Uh, the catches he makes are unbelievable. Then he goes and he's coming across the middle. And Yeast, the guy that he cracked back, blocked on, which he could have just gotten his way. He did not have to put the shoulder. If it had just gotten his way, it would have been fine. But he tried to, you know, put that shoulder in there and made the guy all mad. And so Yeast was looking for him the rest of the game. So when he went across the middle, he alligator-armed that pass. That was a good pass. And he was like, nope, (laughs) because he knew that Yeast was going to take his head off. Then when he made that big play, he had to get in that guy's face. And he just kept on, kept on. I said, oh, he's going to get There came the flag. You cannot have that. And you say, well, they brought in Robertson to be this, you know, older veteran mentor. But Robertson isn't good enough anymore to command respect like, let's say, Deontay Johnson could. Mm -hmm. But later in the very same game, they call a very questionable pass interference call on Akilah Witherspoon covering Johnson. Mm -hmm. So instead of taking this penalty, the first down of being happy, he gets up and puts his finger out and, you know, and I said, oh, God, no. And Jennifer's like, oh, that's my wife. She's like, that's going to be a penalty. And sure enough, there comes the penalty flag. Yep. Tomlin tries to treat them like men. And you have to. But sometimes if they're going to act like children, you got to treat them like children. And you got to be a disciplinarian. There should be two conversations going on this week between Tomlin and both young men. To let them understand, enthusiasm is great, but not when it comes to the cost of possibly the team hurting the team or costing them a victory. Yeah, 100%, because those type of penalties aren't penalties that the Steelers' offense is equipped to come back from. 
you know, I think they did a better job this game. Obviously, they, they, they ended up getting the victory, and and they were able to overcome some of those issues. I mean, the, the very first one, the, the crackback, that was on – that was going to lead up to a first and goal and uh, putting the Steelers – take yeah. you know, Boz having to do a 53-yard field goal at the end of that drive. So, huge difference there. And and you're right. You know, to me, though, I'll be honest. I mean, I saw that – to me, it looked like he threw his back into it as well. I thought, you know, it, it is a crack back, but it wasn't – I don't know. It wasn't like blatant. It. Yeah, it wasn't blatant. But he could have just got in the way, Yeah, turned his back, got in the way, and shielded him, and it wouldn't have been a penalty. Yeah, 100%. 100%. He should have done that. But uh, those other penalties, like the talking and stuff, was just like, dude, be quiet. Yeah. Like, there's no need. Go back to the go back to the huddle. Let your, your talking on the field um, be what's talking for you. And then, I mean, he had another pen, pass where he caught a back shoulder and, you know, was walking up with his arms up and stuff. And, you know, I, you I get see why he almost hit the ref. I saw that. With his arms. If he had it, that had been a penalty. And he would have gotten ejected. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh. I was like, man, this guy's going to end up getting in trouble. But fortunately, uh, the Steelers win and they, they learn from it and a win. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back on the other side, we'll talk more about this game. Don't go anywhere on the YouTube side. Uh, we'll stay here. And we're back. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we're talking about the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers beating the Los Angeles Rams 24-17 in a, another fourth-quarter comeback win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But before we get back into the discussion, Shannon, I know you have a stock-up, stock-down report that usually comes out sometime in the middle of the week. Uh, wh- what do you have going on? Yeah, uh, it's a Tuesday article. And because I like to try to collect my thoughts before – you know, and, and we have all the instant articles on Monday. And then uh, there's a few things in the article that uh, I think a lot of people are overlooking the fact T.J. Watt made the defensive play of the game when he made that interception to start the second half. It was it showed elite instincts at football IQ. And part of what makes Watt the best defender walking the planet. However... If you watch the whole game, he was not the same. He wasn't explosive as usual. He did not get any pressures. He did not really get any pressure on the quarterback. No sacks, no tackles for losses, which was very unwatt like But we got to remember that on Thursday, he popped up on the injury report with a heel injury. Now, anybody here in the audience that's ever had plantar fasciitis. It can come up out of nowhere. And when it happens, you hurting. And it will, you can take an injection and you can go out and function, but you're not the same. And if you watched what did not have the same explosive first step off the line and that ability to get and dip under and come up when he did get around the tackle. And I believe that he's hurting, and I believe it's plantar fasciitis. And if it is, he could benefit from some rest during practice uh, and maybe cut back on his snaps in the game and try to let this heal as much as possible because it can linger all year. Yeah. And matter of fact, when Herbie got his first career sack, Nick Herbie kept flying around the corner. I thought it was what? When it first happened, because White was flipping sides. 
Yeah. And he usually doesn't do that. But he flipped sides in the game a couple of times. And Herbie got that second. I said, that was what? Because Herbie come around there so quick, he did look like TJ. So I think we have to realize that Watt is not 100% right now. And the Steelers need to be very prudent with his usage at practice and in the games for the next few weeks to try to help that heal as much as possible. Yeah, they got the um, Jaguars this week, and then it's a short week uh, against Tennessee. And then there's that mini-buy. And so he can kind of hold off into that mini-buy and get some real much-needed rest and at the same time manage his snaps like you were mentioning. That way he doesn't cause any damage and or, you know, make this something that, like you mentioned, long-term. But, yeah, you're right. Now that you mention it, he he really didn't have, you know, that game. In fact, it kind of reminded me a little bit because I've watched the game like three times now, and it reminded me – kind of the Houston Texans game where receivers were pushing Watt. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like there was a several plays. In fact, there was one long run where uh, they went straight at TJ and they used one of the receivers to block him one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. He blocked him one-on-one. Right. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And so it's like, I don't know, man. Like, like you're right. Now that you mentioned the injury, I, I think that does make a difference. I mean, if it's his foot or his, or his heel, then, you know, that also could account to why he was switching sides. If exactly. It's, Less pressure the one that on pushes. the other side. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that makes sense. That makes sense. You brought up Nick Herbig. I thought he had a pretty awesome game. That sack was huge in oh, that man. moment as yeah. well. You know, the defense started off a little bit, you know, questionable, especially in the running game. I think that's still a huge concern. This defensive running team, I mean, against guys, these weren't the Rams' first and second string running backs. These no. are guys that were <laughs> off the, you know, off the back depth of the back of, of the uh, depth chart. There, Henderson should come off the couch. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, most running backs off the couch don't usually look like that. You know, it usually takes them a few weeks to get acclimated to the speed of the game and things of that nature. So you know, I'm still a little bit concerned. Uh, I think Martavius Adams played a lot more in this game than Keanu Benton did. Uh, I thought he did apply some pressure and he looked good out there when he was, but this running defense, it, it, it's, it's a question mark. Do you, do you think that there's going to be an answer for it until Cam comes back? They're still playing Adams. I mean, I, I don't know how many, you know, I don't even like talking about a lot of this stuff anymore. Because I thought for sure that the coaches are going to realize that they're going to make these adjustments. And Benton would be more of a starter. We'd see some Fahuku, which I didn't expect to see Fahuku this week because the Rams, they were worried about the Rams' passing attack, not the running game. But the Rams' offensive line is more of a power line and it's gap blocking. It's not zone and they just come off the ball, and they were getting a lot of push. And Adams and Benton, when Benton was in there, were struggling to hold up against the Rams line. They were getting shoved three yards back almost every time. And Henderson was just – all he had to do was, you know, hit the assigned hole, and he was getting four or five yards. And that's concerning. I think that the, the inside linebackers we've seen – They'll start to use Roberts a little more in, in the second half. 
and and tried to help slow that down a little bit, especially on early downs. Um, but you know, they run defense. Getting Cam Hayward back is going to be huge. Uh, but I think that they, that they can still adjust their usage some. And in the second half, you've seen a lot more Benton, Armand Watts uh, uh, than you did Adam. So similar with Wallace, which we'll get to a little later, I think we're – Tomlin's stubborn. And Tomlin's mm-hmm. only going to do things that he wants to do, and he can care less what anybody thinks, especially the fans. But eventually stubbornness gives way to, okay, they've been right all season. And I think we're going to see that moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it is a little bit frustrating when you see players like Keanu Benton who have been successful when they're out there have made a difference and then they're getting pulled back. It, it is extremely frustrating. Uh, and, and with Keanu Benton, what makes it more frustrating is that there's a clear need for him to be there. You know, offenses are running straight through the middle of the defense. And when he's in there, that's not happening as often. So, yeah, I don't get it. Uh, I'm hoping that they uh, turn that around sooner than later. Um, another rookie defensive player who had himself a game, in my opinion, was Joey Porter Jr. Now, I don't think it was as um, great as the last game he played against the Ravens. But, you know, in this game, he went up against uh, Puka Nakua three different times. And... Um, or where he was up against Puka, where he was targeted three times and on all three targets, zero catches. So he was able to stop him. He was able to do his job against him. Uh, his tackling issues kind of, kind of showed up a little bit. Yep. <laughs> I got, I was, I couldn't help but laugh when he was chasing, when um, I think Puka caught his, one of his first passes in the middle of the zone and he was running with his arms to the side. And I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> it was a little <laughs> funny, but uh, you know, I, I would have thought, you know, Joy Porter Sr. would have taught him a thing or two about tackling, but it, it's not there. But if uh, he's blocking as good as he is or he's defending as good as he is, I'm sorry, and he's making sure that the receivers aren't catching the ball, I think it's okay. You know, um, he played well. He, I think he needs to be out there more. I think he needs to be out there all the time. I think he should be the starting cornerback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think that the rotation should come on the other side with Levi Wallace and Pat uh, and Pat Peterson, if there's a rotation, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind just seeing Levi Wallace, you know, sit on the bench for a little bit, but I don't know. What were your thoughts on Joey Porter Jr.'s game this week? Yeah. Joey Porter Jr. is the only NFL caliber press coverage guy the Steelers have, and he is really good at it. Uh, as a press corner, he is an emerging star. Uh Puka Nakua, he lit up Wallace. And Cup had his way with Peterson. Um, Porter played 51 snaps. He actually played more snaps than Wallace, who played 49. But Wallace was just victimized yet again. Every week, teams focus on Wallace, on Peterson, and on Kanaan Neal. When they get Neil matched up with even the tight end, they take advantage of him. Just like they have in the past. Steelers always have a weak link, and teams find it and exploit it. Last year, it was Robert Spillane a lot. But Wallace, uh, on the long lollipop touchdown to 2-2 Atwell, 
Wallace was lost. He was a lost ball in high weeds. He was oblivious to where that ball was. Adwell catches the ball at the two and runs it in. Wallace is four yards deep in the end zone. He didn't even know where Atwell went. Then on the two-point conversion to Cup, Cup turned him around. Wallace is looking at the other sidelines while Cup's catching the ball over here for the two-point conversion. Wallace is just not an NFL-caliber starter. He has value in certain sub-packages because of his ability to play zone and his experience and intelligence. But he does not have the athleticism and speed to be a starter. That's why it's so important for the Steelers here at this deadline. They have to find another NFL caliber press coverage corner to bring in a team with Joey Porter. If they do that, then they can use Peterson a lot out of the slot, slide him into safety, let him use his versatility and experience, and then use Wallace in a lot of sub-packages. Late in the game, people didn't notice. But in the last few snaps, uh, Pierre was playing, not Wallace. I think after Wallace was totally torched, because they did not mention an injury. But I think after Wallace got so thoroughly embarrassed for the whole game, and especially against Cup on that two-point conversion, I noticed Pierre was starting to come in. So hopefully Tomlin, like we said earlier, is finally starting to catch on that there has nothing to do with the injury. It's all about performance. Some of these guys, they need to be out of the game. I agree. I agree. Especially, you know, when you look at what Stafford was doing the entire game, and then if that ended up being the the situation where Wallace was playing limited role in the fourth Mm -hmm. quarter, I don't think that Stafford completed a pass in the fourth quarter. I could be wrong, but I don't think he – or converted a third down. I know that didn't happen. No, no third down. Yeah, I could have sworn because I was watching the game, and I think Dave Schofield brought this up in the uh, post game show last last night. That I could be wrong that they didn't complete a pass or or they didn't convert a third down on, on through the air. One of the two. Either way, the passing game wasn't the same in the fourth quarter than it was the remaining portions of the game, and you know there wasn't. I don't think that the Rams were doing anything different than what they were doing earlier on. You know, when they punted the ball to the Pittsburgh Steelers for the final drive, there was five and a half minutes left in the game. I'm pretty sure they thought that they were going to have another opportunity or two mm-hmm. to possess the ball. And so they weren't playing some sort of like, hey, we got to score right now, this second. They were playing their normal um, offense throughout that part of the uh, throughout the entire game. And so the defense did do something different. There was adjustments adjustments made, and maybe perhaps that's what it was, was taking Wallace completely off of the field. Uh, and maybe perhaps that's something moving forward. Another thing, um, the Steelers' offense waking up there late in the third and the fourth, the Steelers were getting killed time of possession. Mm-hmm. But the Steelers dominated time of possessions in the fourth. So – not only did the Rams not do much in the fourth, but they didn't have opportunity to do much because the Steelers possessed the ball so much. So in that way, the offense finally lived up and upheld their end of the bargain and kind of give the defense a break because the defense was out there the whole first, second, and third quarters. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, there was – 
I think there was a, a stat at one point throughout the game where it was like 22, 20 some plus minutes. And I think the Steelers only had like 16 going into the fourth quarter or something like that. Yeah. And then, you know, they completely turned it around. And yeah, it looks like he didn't complete a pass at all throughout the fourth yeah. quarter. Um, That's a good <clears> defensive <throat> adjustment. That definitely is. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I think it must have, because the Steelers don't really make adjustments. They, they, they'll tweak some little things here and there. Uh, they kind of like to say the execution is what needs to be played better. If if it ends up being that's the case, then Levi Wallace just wasn't executing and whoever came in behind him was. And well, I feel a lot better about Joey Porter Jr. on Puka Nakua than I do Levi Wallace. Yeah. And those three pass breakups are all in the second half. So they might not make big adjustments, but that was one adjustment that definitely paid off. 100%. You know, it, I don't want to beat a dead horse. It's just, you know, I I think that they're going to start moving forward. Like you mentioned, his percentage of snaps went up again. Mm-hmm. I think it's eventually going to be the full-time thing. Um, you know, I get the whole want to make him earn it. You know, don't want to give it to him because his pops was part of the team before. But I think he's earned it. I, I think he's earned it at this point. You know, every time he's been in the game, he's produced. He's He's been a – number one quality first round cornerback. You know, this is something the Steelers aren't accustomed to having a cornerback that they draft work out. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's what's going on. They don't know what to do because it's working. I think a lot of the problem, and I want your opinion on this to me, and you mentioned it earlier and we, and it's well-documented. He's not a good tackler. Yeah. Uh, And I don't think it's, he says it's technique, but he don't seem real willing either. No. And most really good cover corners don't want to let the guy catch the ball, and then they don't have to worry about tackling. But when you're in the NFL, you're going to have to tackle because there's running plays. So he's got to do better. Because the one time Puka Nakua caught that ball, and he he just ran over Porter and got another 15 yards. So that's not good. And, and him being embarrassed like that, and I'm sure Daddy is going to be like, son, you're a Porter. You can't be that bad at tackling so i'm sure he will improve but i think that's the main reason that he they've been resistant to starting him is because he's a less than enthusiastic tackler mm-hmm. uh what do you think do you think it's because they don't want to show favoritism because he who his daddy was uh what do you think the reason it is I, I think there's some truth there that he doesn't want to show the favoritism plus the lack of tackling. I think if there was, if Porter showed more effort in tackling, because I think you're absolutely 100% accurate and correct on the effort aspect. There was a few times there was a running back coming his way and it looked like yeah, he was slowing yeah. down. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I did notice that. Uh, I, I think that that could be it. That could be the combination of the two. You know, uh, where if his tackling was better, I think he would be a starter. Now, if his name wasn't Porter and his tackling was the same and his play was the same, I think he would be a starter. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's, I agree that's with that. Where, yes. yeah. yeah, I think that's where it's at. And, you know, at this point, I, I think it's undeniable. Uh, the Steelers need to give him the nod. But, you know, there was another rookie that was playing in the game that just I didn't think showed up. That's Darnell Washington. I don't even remember him being out there very much. You know, they definitely didn't look at him in any passing plays. And anytime there was a running play that did anything great, I don't remember him being on the field. I saw uh, Rodney Williams out there. 
What were your they thoughts on actually Darnell? announced Washington as the starter and placed the Pat Fryermuth on the Fox Network. Mm-hmm. But from the first play, it was Connor Hayward. Yeah. And so Washington came through. It got a few plays here and there, but I thought Hayward appeared to get more, or I noticed him more. And then, as you said, Rodney Williams come in, played a lot in the second half. And on Harris's touchdown run, if you watch the playback, and I know you have, Rodney Williams does a great kickout block mm-hmm. that helped Harris have that lane. Uh, he went right between uh, Rodney Williams and, and uh, Moore. And yeah. it was well blocked, and he had that wide open lane. So, I tell you, Rodney Williams is a guy you just got to root for. The guy mm-hmm. was a college wide receiver who is bulked up, but that guy gives you every ounce of effort he's got. If it's special teams, he's making tackles. He's trying to recover block punts. Um, if it's in the offense, he's throwing his body in there to block because he's not the biggest tight end. Mm-hmm. But he level he gives and you love his athleticism I would like to see them throw him the ball because he's a mismatch against most linebackers yeah but I'm like you where was Darnell Washington it's one thing to not use him but I didn't even see him show up on most of the time that I'm watching this back I don't even notice him yeah uh, so I, it's almost like he took a step back this week yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, after the game, I was like, you know, I thought Darnell would have had a better opportunity because, well, he's the number one guy. He's the number one yep. tight end. Pat Fryman's been out for a couple of weeks. He's had those two weeks to prepare, plus the bye week to prepare for being the starter, being the guy, and just didn't show up. And more wasn't out there. I don't know if there's an injury or if there's something that's nagging that they just kind of want to let him rest on or something. But yeah, I, I just did not notice him out there. Mm-mm. And I don't know. I thought he was going to be a big pickup. I, I, I've noticed him before in, every, in, in other games. He's usually open. Uh, <laughs> they just yeah. usually don't throw him the ball. But in this game, I, I, I didn't notice him at all. Now, our, our Mr. Woody, see, uh, he says that he's not a good route runner. And he's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really needs a lot of work because when he was at uh, Georgia, if I could quit hitting this, the wrong button, when he was at Georgia, he was an afterthought in the passing game. Yeah. But when he did get the ball, you seen him hurdling guys and running over defensive backs. And I was, I was daydreaming about what he can do for the Steelers. Because listen, guys, Zach Gentry was not a good route runner. Zach Gentry is, is a giraffe. I mean, he's got them. He runs like a baby giraffe. His legs are stiff. And so he goes out there. And they what? The Stewards hit him with eight or 10 passes last year. But now they should have done the same thing with Washington at least once or twice. Get him the ball. Even if he runs three yards, it turns around. Get him the ball and let him truck somebody. You know, or let him hurdle somebody. It'll be funny. Yeah. But they ought to at least try to get him the ball. It's like he's like he's like another offensive lineman. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's definitely another offensive lineman up to this point, and I don't know if that's you know maybe he's showing you know something in in uh, practice as to why he shouldn't have the ball, 
or if, you know, they're trying to limit him as well. I, I don't know. Or if it's just the scheme is that bad because the tight ends with the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't been used as much as maybe perhaps some of the fans have wanted to going all the way back to even like Keith Miller. I think that the majority of the fans would have liked the Steelers to have thrown to him more yeah. often than they did. And, you know, that's, that's been the issue. So it's kind of the question, was it, is it, is it his play? Is he hurt? Is it the scheme? Is it, you know, what is it? What's going on there? Cause you know, so far up to this point, I mean, outside of his pancakes on Bosa, I think he's been a little bit of a disappointment and I don't think that's completely on his, on him being the disappointment. I think, you know, scheme and, and getting allowed to make plays are, are a big component of that. Uh, you know, another question going into this game was to, you know, sticking on the offense was the running, the running game. Jalen Warren was possibly going to get more snaps than Najee Harris. They both seem to run pretty decently. Well, um, had similar stats for the most part. Do you think um, – what do you think about that battle? Do, are you still thinking that maybe um, Jalen Warren should continue to get more uh, more snaps, or do you think that maybe Nas showed something? Because I thought he was playing a lot harder in this game than I have seen him play this entire season. I think it says a lot that Najee Harris and Mason Cole this week uh, – well, during the, the – early stages of the bye week, they before they installed their game plan, people were talking about Harris and Cole watching film together, and they went to the coaches and said, this is what we like, this is what we don't like, this play works, this play doesn't. They put their input as much as Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. Najee Harris has that leadership quality. He is a grown man. Even though it's his third year in the league, he is a grown man. And he has been a, for uh, the first couple of years, he, at times he was the offense. And he's not had a quality offensive line, except the second half of last season, the offensive line improved to what I thought was a league average. And he, that's when he got most of his yards last year. This year they've struggled again because they're facing stacked boxes that, it was definitely going to impact him and Warren's ability to run successfully. Yesterday, we saw the good and bad of Najee Harris. Early in the game, Najee, the the line, the hole wasn't there. And so instead of just driving in there and picking up two or three yards, he hesitated and he tried to bounce outside and he lost six yards. Harris cannot, under any circumstances, bounce outside because he does not have the speed to hit the corner. Now, if it's a outside zone block play, then he can flow with the line and, and get outside. But if he if the play call, if the hole's supposed to be in the middle and he tries to bounce outside, he's going to get run down every time because there's defensive ends that will run him down. But then, as the game went on and you start seeing some of the combo blocks working, as I said, more of us making some good blocks. Rodney Williams, there was lanes. And when he hits that lane at full speed and running hard and getting down low, he's a handful. So we see how he can be effective. Bouncing outside is never going to be the way. But I think they're in a situation right now, it needs to be a 50-50 thing. Uh-huh. 
And there's nothing wrong with having two good running backs. It keeps them both fresh. It helps prevent injuries. Uh, and it wears down the defense because you constantly got a fresh guy coming in and pounding on that defense. They just have to be able to extend drives and stack first downs to to give that a guy like Harris a chance to punish a defense. Because he's far more uh, Derrick Henry than he is Le'Veon Bell. When he tries to stop and start and pause and look for the hole and create big plays, he's totally ineffective. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, I, I thought that early on he, he went up the you know, in the first couple of plays, he drove straight, and then he had that yeah. play you, were mes- yep. you're, you mentioned where he bounced out and lost six yards. And that's been the frustrating part about his game going back to him being drafted um, was when he ran straight, it was good. It's the times when he tried to mm-hmm. – you know, make somebody miss or or uh, bounce it out is where he's gotten in trouble. Uh, but, you know, I think you're right. A, a good mix of 50-50 uh, balance here or close to as possible is probably the best for this team and best for both of these players. I don't think that one player getting so much more than the other would benefit this team at mm-hmm. this point. I think it's got to be strategic. You know, you got to put them in the right spots for them to, be, you know, benefit your team and to um, – utilize their skills the best you know and obviously you know passing downs is probably going to be Jalen Warren I think his pass blocking ability is is one of the best in the league for the running back position and I don't know he had a he had a uh, miss it would turn into a hold you know this game but he was blocking a defensive end (laughs) that's true (laughs) I mean one thing when you got a blitz and safety or a corner, or even a linebacker, but he had the freaking defensive end. I mean, he tried, and then he held him, but I was like, what a size mismatch. It was like 6'6 and 5'6. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. It was definitely a mismatch there. Uh, but, you know, for what he brings to the table, he's a fantastic back, a steal, you know, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but I, I, I think you're absolutely correct there. They they need to keep it balanced between those two guys and and keep it so that way it's not predictable as well. You know, when you see one player coming in and one player going out and you can predict what's going to happen, that's not good for your team. You know, Darnell Washington, for instance, when I went to uh, go watch the Steelers live in uh, against Cleveland, when he was coming in, I would tell my father, I was like, oh, Darnell Washington's coming in, so expect to run. Yeah, and I want to yeah. say about 85 to 90% of the time, dead on. And especially if they were under center. I was like, oh, Darnell Washington's in and under center? Definitely a run. And so those were the things that can't be happening and need to be less predictable. Um, but moving forward, where do you think offensively and defensively this team needs to improve next what's the main focus point that should be uh, that they should be focusing on for the next game well you mentioned that there was a little better offensive creativity this mm-hmm. week um i've seen uh, quite a few fake handoffs play action uh we've seen the middle of the field more usage this week than we'd seen in a while uh they got to continue to focus uh on that um, and try to figure out how to start these games better 
and whatever it has to happen, uh, because I believe, again, the, the hardest thing to find out about a quarterback is he clutch, is he a winner. Mm-hmm. We already know Pickett is. I mean, so now it's can he do the other? And can he do it consistently early in the game? So um, that's what I'd like to see. I, again, I want to see a, a, them try to beat the bushes and find somebody, Jalen Johnson from the Bears, who teams are inquiring about. Um, you know, that second corner to pair with Joey Porter Jr. Because it will not only help Porter to have another press-capable guy across the field, but it will also help Peterson and Wallace be used to their max capabilities. So it would help the whole defense. Uh, and then, again, they're going to have to personnel usage. Adams has value, but he's not a starting nose tackle. Wallace has value, but he's not a starting cornerback. These are easy fixes that have to be done because the running game is going to continue to get gashed if they don't. And I was so happy to see Nick Herbig make that sack and then make another, I think he had another tackle for loss on a running play uh, on his other tackle. If he could show, along with Golden, that they can give Watt and Highsmith a break like they did yesterday, Watt really needs it right now if he does have plantar fish So Now, nobody said that that's what he has, but I'm, a, I'm fearful that it is it. And if it mm-hmm. is, we all know that it, it's a nagging, annoying thing. It's debilitating. It takes away uh, some of your explosiveness. So they need to monitor his snaps and use these as – I mean, finally they have a guy in Nick Herbig who can emulate a lot of the things that Watt and Highsmith do. Yeah. And so as a rookie, they need to take advantage of that. Uh, so – that's the things I'd like to see him focus on for the near future. Uh, but the trade deadline's the end of the month. So it's coming up. Mm-hmm. And there's two or three options out there, which we've talked about, at that cornerback position. But to me, that is by far the biggest need at this moment. Yeah, I can't disagree with you on those. You know, for me, you know, going into the next game, obviously starting up faster, making sure that they're not inept throughout the first half of this of the game get something going whether that's you know work on your script better or you know maybe perhaps do something a little bit different and come out in um i don't know no huddle for the first drive maybe a little bit of tempo (laughs) you know something different is just get the ball going get the ball moving you know and and sustain something if not to at the very least put your defense in a pretty good position as far as field position goes and put yourself in a better position for the next mm-hmm. drive and so you know i want to see those things and i want to see like you mentioned the personnel moves joy porter jr needs to just be out there he needs to be the starting cornerback and uh, the steelers need to at that point you know, work on figuring an answer to that left side, whether it's bringing somebody before the trade deadline or, uh, you know, somebody maybe they already have on the team and and trying somebody new, whether it's, you know, James Pierre or this rush guy that they just acquired. Now him, I think would probably be a few weeks before they get him going. But yeah, the, the secondary needs some help. Um, Keanu Benson needs to get back 
or yep. needs to get more playing time, in my opinion. And, you know, I think that the problems that the Pittsburgh Steelers have right now are fixable. You know, there's something that can be done uh, to a certain extent. You know, the the secondary, that one's probably the biggest question mark. Um, just because Patrick Peterson isn't going to get younger. Nope. Levi Wallace ain't going to get faster. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, you can develop JPJ more. One thing about it, Daniel, and you mentioned Darius Rush. Yeah. The thing about the two easiest positions to play in the NFL is running back because it's a natural, instinctive position. Right. They hand you the ball, you find the hole. And press corner. If you can press, you just say, sick him. Yeah. And you can use him. You don't, you know, he's not, you don't want to leave him out there in, in matchup zone because Rush is very raw in zone. But they can't put him out there on an island and say, show us what you got. So it shouldn't take too long to get him up to speed. But I'm with you. I agree. They need to try to find out what they do have in some of these young guys. Yeah, 100%. Because it's just, it can't be the same thing. You know, every game thus far, there's been a receiver for the opposite team that's just, looked almost Pro Bowl Hall of Fame worthy. Exactly. <laughs> it's gotten to that point, and, and, and it's bad. It needs to stop. It needs to stop. Uh, Steelers Nation Australia, Marky D comes in with a $5 Super Chat. Says, shout out to you, fellas. Marky D. Oh, and Chris Boswell is awesome. Yes, Chris hey, Bos is. The first guy in my stock report that I mentioned this week is Chris Boswell. Oh, that's a teaser for you guys. So, Make yeah, sure you guys Mark, go check Mark it out. He's gonna love it. <laughs> Make sure you check that out tomorrow at steelcurtainnetwork.com, your one-stop shop for all Pittsburgh Steelers news coverage and analysis. Uh, with that being said, do you have any final words uh, there, Shannon? Well, uh, my tone in the stock report is I'm just frustrated, uh, just because it's been years now. Uh, yeah. The whole Matt Canada tenure has just been. It's not fun to watch the Steelers anymore. And I sit there and I'm frustrated. And But I want to be encouraged by some of the things we saw yesterday. He really picked only through like one intercepted bull ball. Thankfully, it wasn't intercepted. Yeah. But, you know, he was he protected the ball. He, he was accurate. He made the plays when they were necessary. So I, I want to be encouraged and – um, so hopefully this week when they play the Jaguars, we, we finally get to see more of a complete game on both sides of the ball. You know, when that happens, I think this team is going to open up some eyes when they're able to play a complete game. Yep. You know, uh, th this team was able to put up 24 points in this last game. Majority of those points, 20, 21 of them came out in the second half. You know, they can put those two things together and come out with 30 points or something like that. They don't even have to double their score. You know, just, you know, high 20, low 30, and, and you know, not put the defense out there on the field as long. I think I think some eyes are going to open because this this roster across the board offensively is, is stacked. Defensively, there's some questions in the cornerback position, but for the most part, they're stacked too. And you have two outside edge rushers that are probably the best two outside edge rushers in the NFL. Yeah. And, you know, one player who's making a name for himself, not just to be the MVP, uh, defensive player of the MVP of the year, but maybe perhaps 
be the MVP of the league and TJ Watt in, in the way that he's going. So, you know, you have a pretty good roster. If they can just put it together and start, you know, working as, as a single unit and less of the me stuff with the personal foul penalties and things yeah. of that nature and the boneheaded stuff, I think this team can become very competitive. Is it something that's going to go the distance? I doubt it. I, I'm not going to say that today. But I think they can be significantly more competitive than what they are now. And right now they're four and two. So if they can turn it around now and have something going good down the line on, you know, with a, the schedule's not, you know, so, not so strong, mm-hmm. you never know what can happen. You never know what can happen. So uh, there's a lot of football left to be played. The next game is against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It'll be in Akershore Stadium starting off their three-game home stretch, three-home game stretch. And I look forward to it. I'm actually going to be at the uh, Tennessee Titans game on Thursday night, so I'll be looking forward to that game. Uh, Shannon? Take us out.